So we're going to do a little bit of personal scripture here. Proverbs chapter 22 has been my favorite uh, book and chapter, and my favorite verse is inside that chapter. There's 12 verses in Proverbs. Proverbs is a fancy word of just meaning good. Pro means good. Verbs mean action. So good actions uh, that um, why Solomon wrote and other people and they put it together and there's wise sayings. And it's a really good book because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs and there's 31 days of a month. So if you want to start reading the Bible, Whatever day it is, you pick that chapter and you read the whole chapter. Usually there's, you know, not that many verses in each chapter. And so Proverbs is a really good way to start Bible study and to get you on the good path of good actions. So we're going to look over some of my favorite scriptures and uh, book, chapter, and verse. Just stay tuned. So if you look up Proverbs chapter 22, it has 16 verses. And my favorite verse is Proverbs 22, 6, if you want to know what my favorite verse is in the whole Old Testament. But we're going to go scripture from scripture here and just, you know, go through why it means so much to me and each of the verses. So we'll start with one. That's a good beginning to start with. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now, I've been striving for this um, everywhere I go. Because if I have a good name, then that means God has a good name. And that means that I'm not embarrassing the church or embarrassing the people or embarrassing God. So I try to have a good name. Even though I might be middle class or lower middle class, um, I'm not definitely poor. But I don't have great riches either. But my name, um, if someone is to uh, affiliate it with um, God or spiritual direction or hopefully patience or wisdom, then my good name will be more desirable than riches or silver or gold. And I want God to have the glory if I do have a good name. Or if I'm esteemed, hopefully they're esteeming God through me. Verse 2. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Now listen to that. Everybody who's on the planet Earth has a purpose. They are loved. They are in God's hands. They are important to God. You are important to God. God made you in your mother's womb. He designed you. He designed how you pick up things, how your brain works, how your eyeball works, the intricacies of your heart, the intricacies of your lungs and your taste buds. I mean, if you just look at the body, you know that someone designed that. And God has made the rich and the poor. And I love that in my personal life, because no matter where I'm at in life, God is the maker of all. He is not the maker of evil or sin. That is choice. But he is the maker of the person. And if they're rich or poor or middle class or in between or in a different country, God made them for that purpose at that time for that reason. Verse 3. The prudent or the wise see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, if you're wise, if you're prudent, you can see danger coming. 
you can see that, hey, if there's a tornado out there, you're going to go run and hide. But a person, a simple person, or foolish, if you want to translate that into another word, keeps going right into the storm, and they're going to pay the penalty. What are they going to do? They're going to be, you know, ripped apart, or they're going to go in the tornado, or they're going to, you know, have hail or rain or all kinds of stuff coming after them. You can do that with any situation. The wise person sees that danger and like, "Mm -mm, I'm not doing that. No, I'm going to go take refuge in God, or I'm going to go take refuge in my house, or I'm going to go take refuge with my friends. But the simple, they just don't pay attention. They're like, whatever, I know it's dangerous, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they're going to pay the penalty. It might be a broken leg. It might be a broken heart. It might be a broken uh, mental state, but they keep going. And you're thinking, not a very wise person. Verse four, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Now think of this. What's the opposite of humility? Well, pride. Pride is the downfall of all things. You get too cocky. You get too like, "Ah, I'm better than everybody else. You start falling. And if you're humble around the Lord, he's the one that lifts you up. He's the one that honors you. He's the one that gives you riches. Maybe not physical riches, but mental, emotional, spiritual. He's the one that honors you because you're humble. You're saying God is more important than me. God can do anything that he wants because he's God. And so we we fear him in respect and honor and glory. And see, the opposite of that is pride that I could do it myself. I don't need God. You guys need God. Everybody needs Jesus. And to acknowledge that is humbling. And so when we have humility, God gives us those wages and riches and honoring life. Like I said, maybe not physical, but there are definitely riches that people need, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and self-control. Verse 5. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who preserve their life stay far from them. Now, the wicked is not going to listen to God. And if God says, don't do this, and this will happen if you do this, they're like, oh, no, it won't. And they just do it themselves. And they go into snares and pitfalls, and then they blame God. But God already warned you not to do that. That's wicked. That's evil. That's sinful. And yet people do it anyway, and they get trapped, and then they they don't blame it on themselves. They start pointing the finger at God or pointing the finger at other people, and they need to take responsibility. It's your fault. But on the opposite side, those who would preserve their life stay far from them. If you want to live your life in the presence of God and follow God, I'm telling you, it's much better. It's safer. It's better. Now, maybe not safer physically because people will persecute you, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually, it is better. It preserves your life. Your spiritual life is more important than your physical life. And you stay far away from that wicked. That that Now, that's not saying we don't hang out with people. That's not saying that we don't hang out with the world worldly people or the sinners. We want to hang out with them, but we don't do want to do what they are doing. There's a difference. We can hang out with them, but we have to say no when it comes to wicked things. And then we don't have to trip up and and have those snares and pitfalls. So these are my first five favorite scriptures in my favorite chapter. And we'll talk about verse six here in a little bit. Ah, verse six. 
Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Great scripture. We need to teach children young that they are loved, that they have purpose, that they are they can follow God that through Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit can help them. We need to teach them young, because if we don't teach them young, something else will get a grab a hold of them, and they will be like the wicked who has pitfalls and snares. But if we start children off the right way, with morals, with right and wrong, with basic ideas that are a foundation of that God doesn't move, God does not move from what's right and wrong, Society does, people do, but God is the foundation of all that is right and wrong. So if we train up a child in the way he should go, he being female or male or the whole human race, we start them off, even if they go away for a little bit from those things, they will remember and hopefully come back. So train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, when he is older, he will not turn from it. They will come back. The, the scripture says that scripture will not come back void. There is a blessing. There is something about teaching people about the word of God. That they'll come back. And we pray for that too. Verse 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We see this in every society. The rich rule over the poor. Is it fair? Is it right? No, but that's what a sinful world does. But if you borrow money, you're literally a slave to that lender. The person who lends you the money, you're kind of working to pay that back. That's why we're trying to get out of debt free. And so those two scriptures there are important and we need to stick with those. We'll be right back. All right, so back to my favorite book of the Bible and favorite chapter. And you already heard my favorite verse, chapter uh, 22, verse 6. Uh, now we're coming to verse 8. And so we have 8 left in our chapter here. And we have somebody to say hello. Hi. Gee, I wonder who that is. I don't know. Um, that's kid. Kid. Kid number one. <laughs> kid number one. First one, by the way. Yes. Everyone I... thinks that the other one is the first one. Nah. No. Yeah. I listen to Wiki. She's nine months older than my son. Yep. So. Whole nine months, everyone. There you go. Whole nine months. Nine and a half months, to be exact. Yup. They're 17 right now at the same age. Yup. And I'll be 18 in like a month. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Yep, she's graduating. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Have fun. Okay. So, um, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. So, whoever uh, doesn't seek justice for things reaps the calamity which means they're going to get in trouble they're going they're going to get found out sometime um the injustice the the people that um break the law will be found out either by the law itself or god because god knows everything god sees everything and the rod they wield in fury will be broken so even if they're angry even if they get away with it it will still come back and break them it would break them either mentally or physically or emotionally, but definitely spiritually because they shouldn't be doing the injustice. So we need to keep on the justice and mercy at the same time. Verse 9, the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Um, I subscribe to that. I try to give out as much help or money or food or clothing or anything. I, I'd even take shoes off my shoe, my feet and 
a coat off my back and give it to people because there's, there's no way that we should have this much stuff without sharing with other people. Now, uh, when people force you to do that, that's not generous. That's being forceful, but hopefully you have a good heart that you are generous and that's a choice that you make to be generous. And when you do that, you'll be blessed. Now we always equate this word blessing with physical blessing. It could be a mental, uh, emotional or spiritual blessing. And when we do give, a lot of times it's cool because you, you get this uh, endorphin kind of, uh, uh, you know, feeling that you're doing something good and uh, you have a good feeling about it, which is good. That's that's a blessing right there in, in and of itself. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get money back or physical blessings. Uh, but definitely you get blessed by God spiritually and, and knowing that you've shared food with the poor. Verse 10. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. Now, we all know in school, in our job, in our family, when we know that certain person walks in the room, you know there's like you can cut the tension with a knife. Somehow, one person always messes up the flow of work or the flow in school and they're loud and obnoxious and they're a bully and they walk in the room and the whole room changes. We know that. And when you drive them out, when they're gone, it it changes the whole tune of the place you're at. We know many people who probably shouldn't be at that job because it makes it worse. Now, we do need to pray for them. We do need to uh, pray for them and befriend them. But on the other hand, when they leave the room, everybody knows. And so if that one person is arguing, it takes two to tango. So if you just walk away when you're arguing, that mocker will not do that. Verse 11, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. If you literally are looking at things with a pure heart, if you're looking and talking with a pure heart, not with curse words, not with downing people, but if you encourage people and have a pure heart about things and with grace, grace means that you're giving them something they don't really deserve, but you're giving it to them anyway with more power. So when you speak with grace, you're giving them encouragement. Maybe they don't deserve it, but they definitely need it. And so when you do that, you have a king for a friend. Now, this king is not capitalized, but it seems to figure out that God is king. And he says that he lays down his life for his friends and he calls us friends as Christians. So we will have God, our king, as a friend if we have a pure heart and speak with grace. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. Now, we can go through history and say, you know, just one example, the printing press, um, when it came out, it's interesting that other places, they didn't even talk to each other, they didn't have texts or emails or phones, but other places started doing the same thing because God opened the knowledge. But when you're unfaithful, when you don't acknowledge God, it's very hard to start at the basis. And if you don't have any basis, you don't have any foundation, it's very hard to get that knowledge because you're not acknowledging the one who actually made the knowledge to get the knowledge. 
and it frustrates people. Well, why didn't we invent this? Why didn't we do this? Why don't we do that? Well, because you're not putting God first. Put God first and the knowledge will be open. And then we can know what that knowledge is going to be right or wrong. But if we have no foundation, if we have no uh, foundation of right and wrong, then when we do discover something, we're going to use it for wrong 100% of the time. Um, because we're not acknowledging God and we're not acknowledging our sin that we want to do something wrong more than we want to do something right. Let's talk about the last um, verses here in a little bit. All right, coming down to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13 through 16. And like I said, these are uh, my favorite scriptures and my favorite book and favorite chapter. And of course, my favorite verse, Proverbs 22, 6 that we went over. So this is 13. The sluggard, that means the lazy person, says, there's no lion outside. I'll be killed in a public square. Kind of weird scripture, doesn't you think? But if they're just a lazy man saying, hey, there's no lion right there. And there's a lion staring you down, wanting to eat you and wanting to bite your head off. And he doesn't do anything about it. It's like him being in a public square and somebody kills him right off the bat with a knife that he's like, oh, look, it's a knife. Nobody will kill me. Hello. The lazy person is going to get that. The wise, the prudent, and the person who like runs away from trouble is not going to get eaten. And so we, we don't want to be like a sluggard. Verse 14. The mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. A man who is under the Lord's wrath falls into it. So we know that there's all kinds of sexuality being promoted on TV, on internet, on ads, on billboards. It's everywhere. And to be an adulterous woman or an adulterous man is to lust after something that you're not going to get and then cheat on your spouse. And it's a deep pit. It not only hurts you, it hurts your family, it hurts your spouse, it hurts your reputation, it hurts God's reputation. Being an adulterer is very, very hard to get out of and to be trusted again. And you fall into it. A man and a woman who commit adultery, now it's not the unforgivable sin, I've seen people been forgiven and lead a better life afterwards and been uh, had grace and mercy with their spouse and they've come out stronger. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to go out and commit adultery to make your marriage stronger, but I've seen people come out of it and it's not the unforgivable sin. We all sin. We all do stupid stuff. Uh, but it's a hard pit to get out of, especially with family and your spouse. Verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but discipline will drive it far away. Now, this is a very interesting one because a lot of parents don't want to discipline their children. And then their child does something stupid or does something wrong, and it embarrasses the family, embarrasses the parent. They're not talking to the child. They're not giving discipline, and it doesn't work. Discipline is a pain for a little bit to put you on the right direction, that you don't do it again. If we don't discipline, we don't love our children. We have to discipline 
or they're going to have folly. They're not, they're going to be a fool. They're not going to be very wise. Now they'll learn it later through experience, but it's going to be harder. I'd rather have my children know right from wrong and discipline them than to go out into the world and try to figure it out. It's a parent's responsibility. Verse 16, last one in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 16. One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and the one who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. Listen to that. The one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth. We know a lot of people who will step on people, not literally, but figuratively, to get ahead. And when you do that, God doesn't like that. You're, you're testing God. And most of the time, they will either die without taking the money with them, or they'll die in poverty. Because it's not human-like, it's not Christ-like to step on people just to get your wealth increased. And the one who gives gifts to the rich. Now, we've known all these stories where you know people get filthy rich and then they start giving to other people that are richer than them so they can get notoriety and and popularity and they become poor very quickly and then their friends leave them and their friends weren't really their friends because they only wanted the riches and so when you start giving out unwise unwisely to other people or when they really don't need it you become poor and poverty is right there at your door knocking so hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight of um, how i um, have shaped my life under these 16 verses especially proverbs 22 6 and just a little insight that um, you could start Bible studies uh, by yourself. There's, like I said, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. It's by the book of Psalms. But Proverbs has 31 chapters and just do a chapter a day. So if it's the 10th of the month, you would read Proverbs chapter 10. And we're looking at Proverbs 22. So if it was the 22nd day of the month, you would read Proverbs 22, Frankie's favorite chapter. I love you. Jesus loves you too. You have a great day and thanks for listening and we'll be back next month. Bye-bye.